When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Jim. What's up? It's been a while since I've talked to Slate's Jim Newell. What's up with you? Just uh, coming back from the heartland. (laughs) Usually, Jim covers what's happening in Washington. But these days, what's happening in Washington is actually happening in Iowa. So Jim just got back from the Iowa State Fair, an event that's become pretty much a must-do for any presidential contender. When Jim thinks about the absurdity of this event, he gets this one image in his head. I would say the image is of Cory Booker getting onto the Ferris wheel and a bunch of photographers and video people racing to get in front of him in line so that they could have the Ferris wheel cars next to him so that they could take photos of him on the Ferris wheel. um, From the Ferris wheel. From the Ferris wheel, yeah. It was just a big creative photo op, essentially. Someone like Cory Booker, though, he makes this multi-day photo op look easy. After biting into a deep-fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich, he knew just what to say. It was a little slice of heaven. You know, they tried to eat junk food or whatever. They tried to eat a corn dog or or cotton candy or fried whatever on a stick. And they tried to make it look like they, you know, actually want that or doing it spontaneously. But there's a lot of preparation that goes in from the campaign team, at least with some of the candidates, about, all right, what food are we going to eat at the fair? You know, like, we do this, we do that. You know, the question always when eating a corn dog is, is getting photoed eating a corn dog the most the most flattering photo too but <laughs> um <laughs> like i guess with the corn dog it's like how do you position the corn dog so that the yeah, photo looks like you you see what i'm saying you know family like, friendly yeah yeah reporters we're sort of there you know we're thinking in the back of our heads a little bit like what are we doing but it's august you know it's going to be a long campaign we have time to sort of cover these these traditions It might be August, but the news hasn't stopped. A nuclear reactor just exploded in Russia. Hong Kong's airport is so full of protesters, it keeps getting shut down. And the president just made it harder for people on public assistance to apply to legally immigrate in this country. Nevertheless, here we are, eating deep-fried Oreos at the state fair. When you talk to folks, regular Iowans out there at the state fair, do they ever feel like, like, really, this is what we're doing right now? Uh, Nope, not once. (laughs) Most people are either, you know, they're either there to see the candidates, so they're really excited and want to get a selfie or something, or they just really don't care. And they're like, oh, Bernie's there. You know, like, I do not get any Iowans being like, come on, folks, let's be a little more serious. You know, we're at the state fair here. I don't get really get any of that. (laughs) Jim arrived back in D.C. thinking the state fair really does matter, but not how you might think. And only for some of the candidates. Today on the show, he'll explain. 
I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, Jim, can you describe for me a little bit what it's like to move through the Iowa State Fair with a presidential candidate? Yeah, it's it's honestly a little dangerous for everyone. <laughs> you know, I followed Bernie to the best of my ability, and it was difficult. You have, you know, the presidential candidate and a couple aides in the middle of this this scrum, this blob. And then you have probably another 50 photographers surrounding them. And then you have print grunts like me just trying to squeeze in to get a question in. But you sort of have this this amorphous blob moving through the state fair where there's 100,000 people. And if you're in the front of the blob, you're walking backwards and there's these huge crowds behind you and they're like trying to run to get out of the way. But it's amazing that there aren't massive injuries every time one of these blobs moves through people. All to get all to get a picture of a candidate eating a corn dog or looking at a butter sculpture. <laughs> but it's kind of a good metaphor for the whole thing because I look at the state fair, it seems like one more obstacle in the American ninja warrior that is the presidential race right now. Like you're throwing things in front of these candidates and see how they re- they respond to them and sometimes they're strange things and things you couldn't expect. And inevitably all these candidates end up on what's called the soapbox, which isn't actually a soapbox, but it's a booth set up by the Des Moines Register where they give a speech, right? Yeah, it's just a stage with a little backdrop and they put a couple of bales of hay in front of it to make it look rural, I guess. And these are just, they're stump speeches or is there something special about what they say at the Iowa State Fair? Yeah, the the idea is that you come and you give your presentation of your whole, you know, worldview and then you take questions from the crowd spontaneously. So it's supposed to be one of these true politics moments where you have someone trying to persuade people and just fielding questions that aren't choreographed or anything. You know, a lot of them would ask candidates like, how are you going to win? You're polling at nothing, which I thought was, you know, a pretty good, pretty good use of time because it's interesting <laughs> to, see, to hear how they all justified their, their, the continuations of all of their candidacies. What'd they say? Oh, I, well, then they just sort of translate into their, you know, like, I have a unique vision of enter something that's not particularly unique at all. Like, oh, I was in business. I was the only one in business. It's like, well, there were four of you or so who were in business, so. So pardon me while I ignore your question. Yeah, yeah. This is how you start a revolution in Iowa. Because all you need is 40,000 Iowans and then the vision sweeps the country. So what is the vision? What the heck am I talking about? I feel like the Iowa State Fair, you can't separate it from the Iowa caucuses. You know, first in the nation, I was very proud of them. So the Iowa caucuses, of course, they're they're in February. They're a long time out. But the whole reason all these candidates are at the fair is because they have their eyes on those caucuses, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone descends on it 
in order to win the caucuses. I mean, I I read, though, that only 16 percent of Iowans actually turned up for the caucuses in 2016. It's this interesting thing because I feel like we pay a lot of attention to this one place. And then in reality, does it represent what we think it does? That's a whole other issue is that it's a scandal, sort of, a lot of these caucuses where it takes hours to participate in. So not many people are able to do it. So I was talking with at the fair with someone who uh, makes sure that all caucus sites are accessible for disabled people. And that sort of gets to some of the problems with the Iowa caucuses in that they're run by people, you know, a lot of them retirees or just local communities have been running them forever. They're in really cramped spaces sometimes. You know, she was saying that a lot of them don't have wheelchair access or there's no place for people in wheelchairs to, you know, place themselves comfortably, you know, that... Well, and of course, for the caucus, you have to move places, right? Like, you have to yeah, move yeah. yourself Yeah, you have to, to run around with pieces of paper, and it's, yeah, it's this whole, you look at it, and it's like, okay, this is what we do in, you know, the, the most powerful country in the world. We run around with pieces of paper in Iowa, and that's how we pick a president. Hmm. Well, so let's talk about a couple of the candidates and how they did when you were with them in, in Iowa, because, as we said sort of the game here is to look good while you're out there. So Joe Biden, he's had a couple of rough debates. You spent some time with him. What did you see when he was at the fairgrounds? I saw someone who is continues to be pretty shaky. I think that Joe Biden has a message that maybe a lot of um, pundits and certainly a lot of maybe lefties on online, you know, underestimate his moderate vision. I think that does appeal to a pretty big share of the Democratic electorate. But he himself, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who support Joe Biden, who also just say he seems like he's lost a step a little bit. Hmm. He doesn't seem that as energetic as he used to be. And he said at the when he was his turn on the soapbox, he was trying to give a line from his stump speech. And he says, we choose truth over facts when he's supposed to say we choose truth over lies. And so that was just another one of those sort of shaky moments. We choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. And so, folks, and I think there's a lot of concern from his staff, not just about gas, but just just about seeming uh, a little off. But it's just one factor among many. It's not not saying no one should consider Biden just because he's he's made a few, you know, misstatements or anything. You spent some time with Bernie Sanders, too, and you covered him last time around. It's funny because Bernie seemed to have this approach to the state fair that was just move through it as fast as possible. Get in, get out, get the photo. See you later. Yeah. I mean, he does not do a ton of walking around, shaking hands, trying to meet as many individual people as he can. Um, so he got to the fair. He gave his, his stump speech. Thank you, Iowa! Talked to the press briefly. He went and saw the butter cow. He got a corn dog, and then he was gone. And, you know, maybe this is just his campaign spin, but he really does believe that it should be about the issues, not about, you know, how good you, you look eating a corn dog. He thinks that these photo ops are all pretty stupid, which they are. <laughs> But, you know, I'm sure his campaign wishes he could maybe moderate that a little bit. Jim says for big name candidates like Bernie and Biden, the fair doesn't matter that much. You can tell by looking at the way they move through the place. But there's another group of candidates who are way hungrier, the ones who haven't yet qualified for September's presidential debates. People like Marianne Williamson 
and Ohio Congressman Tim Ryan. So Jim followed those guys around, too. I saw them, for the most part, trying to really meet as many people as they possibly could because they're in a desperate situation right now. Iowa and New Hampshire being the first two nominating contests. For a lot of the field, those have sort of been replaced by trying to get into the third debate, which you need to do by August 28th. That is sort of the first primary, because if you don't get in the debate stage, it's going to be hard to really have the oxygen to justify continuing your candidacy. And this time around, the Democratic National Committee has changed the rules, right, about how you get into the debates and what the barrier to entry is, right? Right. So the first debates, you need 1% in a certain number of polls and 65,000 unique donors. Now for the next two debates, you need 2% and 130,000. So that jump from 1% to 2% is potentially fatal for about half the field. I think there are only nine candidates who have qualified for the third debate yet out of 23 or 24, however many are in the field. So a lot of them are sort of looking at the end of their campaign if they can't bust out one way or another. Hmm. So does that mean that they're going around asking individuals for donations or just trying to say hello and glad hand? Like, what does it look like when Marianne Williamson is trying to make the case for getting her on that debate stage? So she was using her soapbox speech, which it was sort of interesting. The soapbox speech is supposed to help you build name recognition in Iowa and show your concerns about Iowa. But she was using it to try and ask for unique donors. You know, if you haven't donated to my campaign, please contribute at least a dollar so she could qualify for the next debate, which is essentially the first primary for her. So it was used in a much different way than, you know, it might have been for Bernie Sanders or, or Elizabeth Warren, who weren't really asking for dollars. It sounds like you're saying there are two state fairs. There's the state fair for beginners, and then there's the state fair for, like, the big kids. Right. It it brings up the question of whether this whole Iowa model of retail politicking, which is very romantic the way people think about it, um, just, you know, the person who shakes the most hands and, and persuades the most people individually will win and should become president. That's not really the case anymore. It's just, how do you do in the debates? Do you get a lot of excitement elsewhere. Do you have good TV commercials? That's what it is. And this is just another sort of pit stop. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the rules, because the rules seem like they were put in place for a good reason, which is let's make sure you have a lot of small donors that shows that you have momentum, not just from, say, rich people or big corporate interests, but from a lot of Americans who want to see you get to that debate stage. Is this working out the way that the Democratic National Committee intended? Uh, Not necessarily. So, you know, if you're a campaign with limited resources, as most of these candidates who are struggling are, you have to think about, you know, how you spend your candidates' time and money. So if you have a 130,000 unique donor requirement, a lot of times you have to put more money into the cost of fundraising in order to get each additional unique donor, and each additional unique donor sort of costs more money to reach. I read at one point that it costs $70 for every $1 donation. Right, exactly. So that's one criticism. Another was just that it's easy to game this 100,000 unique donor situation. Um, a lot of the, the wealthier candidates have sort of found loopholes through it. So Yeah, just today, didn't we have Tom Steyer, who's a billionaire and definitely not polling very high? He just announced he has 130,000 donors. 
Right. And Tom Steyer, you know, what helped him was having a 8 million person listserv that he grew through need to impeach, which was his, you know, impeachment advocacy uh, group that he started a couple of years ago. So then he can just sort of fundraise off of that and transfer that whole list to his campaign. Hmm. You know, I was thinking about the state fair and what I saw there over the weekend. It felt like to me, like our obsession with the state fair was sort of another manifestation of our obsession with rural America or like real America. Am I being unfair when I think of it like that? I mean, it is the obsession is embedded within the system, you know? It's a big question now, and I'm going to wonder, you know, how long this can really sustain itself is Iowa being the first nominating state for the Democratic Party. You know, it's a state that is, you know, 90% or so white, and the Democratic Party is really not looking like that anymore. I think almost having Iowa and New Hampshire first is a relic of a time when minorities weren't considered that big a part of politics. So I'll be interested to see how long this lasts. I mean, it could be longer than I expect just because in order to take it away from Iowa, you have to go against Iowa. I know it's been proposed in the past, but it hasn't gone anywhere. We rotate those four early states, you know, maybe have maybe go South Carolina, Nevada, New Hampshire and Iowa. And then that places a much bigger premium on um, African-American voters who are sort of the bedrock of the Democratic Party in the first place. But we haven't really seen those go anywhere yet. And a lot of candidates will pander to Iowa knowing that, you know, a change might not succeed. Jim Newell, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Jim Newell covers politics for Slate. All right, that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson and Jason DeLeon. If you are staring at your phone right now, wondering what you're going to listen to next, let me suggest the gist. Today, Mike Pesca is debating short attention spans with Maria Konnikova. Check it out before you forget. Finally, there's one thing we didn't talk about in this interview. All the things Jim Newell ate at the state fair. For what it's worth, that included cheese curds, a milkshake, deep fried cheese on a stick, and a bacon ball that was made of nine pieces of bacon, like all rolled together. Although the experience, it wasn't just about food. I got some real American values this weekend. I'm Mary Harris. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.